Hey, everybody. This is John at the Bumbling Eddie Podcast. I uh, just want to put something out there real quick about this episode prior to it going out and prior to anyone listening to it. Um, what this episode is, is me providing a platform for someone who's running for local office here. So uh, Amanda Capaletti is running for uh, state senator in southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, she'll explain the, um, the district itself and what those areas in, uh, consist of. However, uh, I just wanted to come on here and, and just give a quick little synopsis of what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to push a political agenda on anyone. What I want to do is I want to try to spur people on to have conversations with your local politicians or even the people that are running for politics in your area. Start locally. Um, go out. Have your face seen by them. Uh, try to forge that relationship. And if there's something that you may need coming down the road, um, you know, they're going to be there to help you, hopefully. Um, there's a lot of turmoil right now going on. So, right, you have the Republicans and Democrats and all the other parties that are out there now. Uh, we're coming up on election season. So I hope that everyone does what you can. Uh, get out there and vote if you're, um, if you can, if you're not. Um, if you're not going to vote, um, I implore you to take a look around and try to understand why you're not going to vote. And if you're not going to vote because you don't like someone, um, I implore you to maybe go and do a little bit more research. So anyway, Amanda Capaletti, she is on this uh, upcoming episode of the Bumley Yeti podcast. Uh, she is a Democrat running against uh, Republican Ellen Fisher. Um, in the podcast, you'll hear me say uh, that I reached out to the Republican uh, candidate and I heard nothing. Um, however, that's changed since then. And I don't go in and edit any of my um, my podcast. So I did hear back from Ellen um, and her team. Uh, it just seems there's a scheduling conflict. I don't want to put this out and then have, you know, have her kind of rebut anything because it's not what I'm, I just want everyone to have their own opinions and their own agenda. So maybe, you know, maybe down the road, um, if Ellen wins, I can have her on here. That would be great. But I'm not in the, I'm not trying to have a debate over what one person thinks versus what another person thinks. I want to try to have people get their platform out there. So anyhow, um, I hope you enjoy this. I'd love to hear some comments. I'd love to, you know, reach out social media um, here on YouTube. Um, you know, comment, like, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Um, and hopefully we have some more of these things coming on, right? So I have, um, I have a few things I'm working on. And um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I hope you enjoy this. I hope you get some value out of it. And uh, Amanda was great. Um, she seems like a very real person to me. It's the first time I met her. I never met her before. Uh, she seems likable. Um, and then, you know, we'll see how the election goes. So um, anyway, thank you for listening or watching. And I'll see you guys later. Thank you. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is John from the Bumbling Eddie podcast. This is episode 25. Uh, today, I actually, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach um, just because this is something that's super important to me. It's going to be very important to everyone uh, as this new election season comes up. Uh, the conversation I'm going to be having today is with Amanda Capaletti. I said that correct, right? You sure did. All right, very good. Spell it though. Uh, see, it's, there's two P's, two L's, and two I or two T's. <laughs> I didn't remember that because it's, I'm a very big – I mean, my name is John Kelly. It's very hard to not spell that correctly, but it happens a lot. So uh, – Amanda is, uh, and look, everyone, I'm reading this directly from her website. Uh, that's amanda4pa.org. So any questions you have, you can go there. Uh, and I'm just going to read verbatim so I don't get, 
you know, checked on anything. And, and uh, Amanda, feel free to jump in at any time. Correct me. Uh, so Amanda is running uh, for the 17th Senate Senatorial District. Uh, we'll talk more about where that is. Um, but she currently serves as vice chair of the East Norton Board of Supervisors, uh, having stepped up to run after the 2016 election, wanting to do more for her community. So that being said, Amanda, you are a, uh, you're a Democrat. So this is not going to be about Republican or Democrat. This is going to be about what you're running for, why you're running, and um, you know, kind of what you would, kind of what your plan is, what your agenda is, and things like that. So I'll ask a couple questions here and there, but I really want to understand what it is about you and what you think you can do for the community as a whole. So um, if you could just start out with District 17, that would be a good place to start. Sure. Sure. So District 17 is in the southeast of Pennsylvania. It covers 11 municipalities, nine in Montgomery County and two in Delaware County. Start in Delaware and work my way up. That is Radnor and Haverford Townships. And then we have Lower Marion and Narberth, um, West Conshohocken, Bridgeport, Plymouth Meeting, Whitpain, East Narton, Norristown. Who am I missing? Um, East I'm missing someone. Who am I missing? Oh my goodness. It's okay. Someone will correct you. It's really not so, that big so, of a deal. Somebody will correct me. I was trying to count. Maybe I miscounted on my hands, but. I so think I, I, got I have them a all. quick question for you. So yeah. I need you to Upper close. Upper Marion. Your, Upper Marion, yeah, right? That's I knew the, that. That's the last I, one I was missing. I knew that's what it was, right? <laughs> so I need something from you, and this will demonstrate. Can you close your eyes and spell West Conshohocken? West Conshohocken. W E S T, West. Conshohocken is C-O-N, con, show, S-H-O, H-O-C-K-E-N. Very good. All right. So here's the deal. I'm actually in West Conshohocken right now. That's where, so I live in King of Prussia, which is Upper Marion Township. Uh, I went to Upper Marion School Districts. I actually went to school with Tom Kohler. Uh, I do consider yep. him a friend. Uh, he and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on some things, but that's okay. Um, and I'm moving to West Conshohocken. So I'm actually in my new house that I'm kind of transitioning. So very good for you. Very good. Wonderful. So uh, let's get back to what it is, or I guess why you decided to run. Uh, we'll start kind of at the beginning and we'll go from there if you don't mind. So you want to run it all the way back to 2016 and what made me um, run then? Yeah. I mean, we could keep it at a high level. Uh, yeah. I, I really want to get into kind of today's things because uh, yeah. I, I'll get into I'll get into why I want to talk more about that mm -hmm. and why I'm, why I'm so appreciative for you being on this podcast. Well, thank you, John. Um, I will talk a little bit about 2016 because that's an important part of how I got to here uh, today. Um, like a lot of people, I had a very gut reaction and it wasn't a positive one to the results of the 2016 elections. And part of it was that, that I, felt sucker punched by kind of myself. I had always enjoyed politics, talked about them. I've been asked to get involved by uh, local uh, committee people. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm in law school. I've got, I've got to finish school. I've got to really needed to focus on that. And the 2016 election occurred during my, the fall semester of my final year. And it was like, what if I could have done more? What if I could have helped change a dialogue and, and just wanting something there to change. 
So I decided I would get involved now that that, 20, that that fall of 2016 was not too late. I could still do something. And that very quickly turned into, we think you'd be a great candidate. Do you want to run? And as you said, I'm now the vice chair of the East Narton Board of Supervisors. Um, and I've been active since then, helping door knocking, going to fundraisers uh, in the party specifically. Uh, but I was also an advocate up in Harrisburg, working with a variety of organizations. And most recently, I was the director of policy for Planned Parenthood. And I was leaving one day to come back home to East Norriton when I got a phone call asking me if I would consider running for state senate. It's not something I was expecting. I'd only been involved a couple years. Um, I very, I, I very much do that um, female thing where, oh, me, no, oh, you know, like, I don't know. And so I called my husband. I said, Greg, this is what's being asked of me. What do you think? His response immediately was, when do I get to call you senator? I said, okay. Reached out to a mentor from law school, um, Professor Nancy Nauer, who reminded me that a woman is asked seven to nine times more than a man before she says yes to running for office. And that was like, okay, that, that let's, let's go for this. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'll address the, the, the elephant in the room. We did, we do have a democratic state Senator. I, so I primaried our current Senator. He was, you know, facing some backlash and allegations and, you know, I felt like, and, and apparently many people in the district felt like it was time for a change. I'm a Republican. And I will tell you, <laughs> I was so happy the day that he lost. And I hope that I never hear his name here again. And that has nothing to do with a party line or anything. Mm-hmm. We'll just leave it at that. But congratulations on that. Um, I, I think you're, you're running in, in a, I guess, in a location where mm-hmm. um, if you're just a genuine person, you're going to gain a lot and people in the, your, in your district are going to gain a ton. Oh gosh. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I've heard that from some people a little bit from some people that, um, you know, they can kind of tell that, that I just, I, I really just want to help people and be, I, I'm not, I guess what everybody thinks of when they think of a politician. I do know that like there are some people when you get to know some of the the people who are in office, you know how genuine and awesome they really are, but sometimes it can be hard getting to know people. And I I've been told I come I come across as somebody that can be you can get to know easily. So right. I I really appreciate that. Sure, sure. Um well, so if if I could just kind of interject here. So Yeah. You go back to 2016 and you talk about how, you know, you will just say you were less than thrilled with the way that the, I guess the presidential election turned out, right? Yeah. So, um, obviously there's, that's going on right now as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very heated and mm-hmm. there's a lot of, uh, back and forth and, and this is not a, a program for me. Mm-hmm. I'm big on, I want people to get the information, the right mm-hmm. information and then make your own decision. Right. So because I don't agree with certain things doesn't mean I hate that person. Um, I, again, you know, Tom Kohler, I would love to have him on here. I don't know if he would, because hopefully after this, he'll come on um, because I can be a little bit more honest with him and have a different conversation and the same with Tim Briggs. But when it gets back to that 2016, you need to talk about dialogue. Um, I'm just going to fast forward to now. So 
I think you, you may have been trying to get to it or maybe not. I'm just going to ask it because this yeah. is just, you know, it's my show, right? I could do what I want. Um, but, you know, again, this is not going to be something where I'm, I'm not looking to make anyone look bad. I want to get information out there. So, you know, dialogue is a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, at this point, you have your far right. You have your, I'm sorry, my camera just shook. You have your far right and your far left. And if you're not in that, area right so if you're more middle moderate like you could even be left leaning or right leaning whatever you are looked at like you're crazy and that's very difficult right so i want to try to understand how you plan to bridge that gap and instead of i mean there's a lot of focus the squeaky wheel gets mm -hmm. oil we all know that yeah and you know i we're just we're in a very dynamic time mm -hmm. and it's going to take major patience and it's going to take a lot of conversations to be able to say, you know what, I am a Democrat or I am a Republican. Hey, you know, Miss Democrat, I want to understand what your point is. And hey, Mr. Republican, I want to understand you and somehow try to break those walls down and be able to actually talk to each other because it's impossible right now. I love that you're talking about this because I, it's, it's become a talking point on the campaign trail, especially as... Um, I, I'm starting to connect with more and more of the uh, general electorate, that the general uh, electorate in the 17th. Um, I grew up in a politically diverse family. I fall pretty far to the left. I don't hide it. I'm a proud progressive. My mom, a little bit more of a moderate Democrat. My older brother, um, a proud independent. And my dad's a Republican. And we grew up having dialogue, conversation, um, you know, talking politics. And it's something that I've learned to be able to do that you don't hate somebody because you have a differing point of view. I actually just had a conversation with my dad the other day, uh, turned into politics. He had to get back to work. So I had to, one of us had to go and he said, let's do breakfast soon. I miss having these conversations because, you know, now that I'm older, we go out to breakfast to argue politics and then you know, laugh over, you know, sausage patties and eggs right. and whatever we're eating. So um, I, I think that it's really important to know is that, you know, I am a proud progressive. I do believe in being a bit more pragmatic about things because no matter what we do, um, we're always going to have people that fall all across the, the political spectrum, right? Mm, so exactly. my way can't be the only way um, that because government is supposed to be representative of the people. And my right. way, my right. way may be good for the 17th district and I need to, you know, do my best to represent that, but there's got to be compromise in there so that whatever we come to as we're moving forward and developing, you know, policies and laws, there's got to be a way that we're willing to compromise on certain things so that our laws and policies really are reflective of us as a whole in Pennsylvania or, you know, in DC, if you happen to be working down there, whichever, you know, wherever you're covering. So, um, you know, that's important to me. And I also have that same experience when I was working with Planned Parenthood, John, I had to go into anti-choice legislator offices, introduce myself and say, like, let's find some middle ground here. And I often came away with, you know, answering questions that they'd, I guarantee you, they never thought they'd be asking about Planned Parenthood and the services that are provided, you know, right. wanting me to send them more things. So, I have a lot of practice doing that. And I think that we really need to uh, continue to uplift people who are willing to have those conversations and sit down with people 
and get to know where they're coming from and finding that middle ground so that we can move forward in a way that's positive. Right. So as you mentioned, you're looking to be able to represent uh, the people of the 17th district, right? Mm -hmm. So that's me, right? That's me and every one of my neighbors and my children and um, most of my family. Um, then on the other side, and, and please, I'm, I'm trying to understand a political mm-hmm. realm of, of how this all works. And I'll get into, I'll tell you a story later after we get all this stuff done. But from my perspective, you know, there's a lot of things going on now by people that mm-hmm. represent me that there is, there's in many cases, there's an mm-hmm. overwhelming decision by the people to go one way right? I apologize. My, my earbuds are falling out. It's fine. There's a, there's a, in, in, in some cases, not all, <laughs> there's overwhelming, um, I guess the constituents are very overwhelmingly leaning towards one thing. And it's like, we're, we're not going to do that. And the answer is a lot of times it's not, I, I have to follow my party line. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question to you is how would you approach that because from my perspective, if you're going to represent, and this is where the whole Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever party you decide you want to be, you want to represent or be a part of, mm-hmm. where does that put the constituents, the people that actually are the people that voted you in? And I'm not one of them people. I'm like, oh, I'm a taxpayer. You, I pay. Like, I don't do that. Right. I'm just one of them people who are like, let's just do the right thing. And if the right thing is, our area is different. It's our area. Number one is super diverse, super diverse. And it it borders, you know, one of the biggest cities in America. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. So I'm, I'm trying to understand and I get, this is why I call it the bumbling Yeti. I go on this tangent and you can feel free to just say, be quiet. Um, (laughs) I just want to understand how you're going to approach that from a, you know, you've run on a platform and then next thing you know, Mm -hmm there's pressure from something else that makes you completely flip that around. That's really my concern from a, from a constituent point of view. And that's a fair concern. That certainly happens with uh, a lot of our legislators. And I think the best thing I can say is your vote, your voice is your vote, like vote for the people that are going to stand up. And if we're not standing up for you and we do flip, then vote me out. That I like, I genuinely- there's a lot of time in between that happening though. Right. There, there is. There is. Um, well, there can I can be. tell you. I, I can tell you that for me, it, it it is really about doing what's right and what's 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 morally right, what's morally good. I don't. I don't see myself um, flipping to appease anybody. And I, I think there are plenty of you know family members and and other people that will tell you I'm not. I am not one to uh, bend a knee to anybody. I tend to go toe to toe, even if I'm not. Um, always in the right, as my dad might tell you. Sure. But um, yeah, if, if this is what I believe is right, and this is what, you know, in talking with my constituents and feeling like this is this is what we need to do uh, for what's right for us, then that's, that's what I'm there for. I'm not... I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I'm not a career politician. I don't know where life takes me. I, I'm one of those sure. people that walks through doors when they open, um, you know, and that, that's kind of how I found myself here. So I will walk through that door and do what I need to do for the people that elected me. And then also to be able to lay my head down at night, like that's really important to me to lay my head down at night and know that I've done 
what I believe is right. And I will always be honest. And if there's a question about like why I made this vote, why I did a certain thing, like I want to be as transparent as possible so that if that's not the right thing, if that's not how, you know, this district wants to be represented, then, you know, we know that there are going to be changes in the future and, and what happens. So um, just the idea of transparency with you guys right. and, and knowing that I, I just want to be able to do, do the right thing. Right. Okay. And that, and that's fair. So one of the things I hear people that are friends of mine and family members of mine screaming right now is you're going to do what you think is right. And what you think is morally correct. Mm -hmm. it, do you feel as if, so take yourself out of this, right? So put yourself in, in, in your own shoes because technically right now you're, you're a constituent, right? Yes. So if someone said to you morally to them, they bring up something and I'm not going to get into this at all, but say they bring up something about Planned Parenthood or, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, anything super, you know, sticky like that will say. So yeah. if you don't agree with what they say, so say there's a, I don't know, you know, they ran on a platform and then they're like, you know, more to me, morally, this is not correct, mm -hmm. but they ran on a certain platform and that's what they were voted in on. Mm -hmm. That That's what I hear people screaming at me right now saying, she said she's going to do what she wants to do and what's morally <laughs> correct to her not necessarily the right thing. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not saying that you yeah. wouldn't do the right thing. Right. No. Um, and I, I can certainly understand that, that that's, you know, a concern, but I think part of it is like the platform that I've given you, the things that I'm running are on are the things that I'm passionate about. It's where I believe. And if that's not something that you want your state Senator to represent for you in Harrisburg or any of your legislators, right. what you want them to do, then by all means, like don't vote for me. I would not be a good representation for you. Um, and if I, you know, if I'm lucky enough to win and to serve and you don't agree with my platform, by all means, come talk to me still talk to me about right. my votes. Tell me where you stand. You know, I can only do a, as much as I can, I can do in terms sure. of what I think is right and knowing where the generally where our district is right. in terms okay. of being able to represent the most, but I don't want that to dissuade people from not coming to talk to me, not having those conversations with me and knowing that like, I, I, I think I'm a good person. I try to be anyway. And right. if there's a disagreement, at least hopefully I can give you the sensation of walking away that a, I heard you like genuinely heard you mm -hmm. and B that you don't think I'm, you know, this stuffy politician. That's not, not genuine or not here that I'm not a real person. I think that's, you know, a phrase you well, and I were talking we'll just, about before this. We'll just leave it at the person who you, uh, the, the incumbent that you beat. We'll just, we'll say that much. So <laughs> I get it. Right. So I, yeah. I'll throw a couple jabs here and there. So I do understand that. And I think, I think that is, I thought that was a great answer because I'm big on communication. Um, right now, I know that I had a few things and I'll just give Tim Briggs a big shout out. He, he's helped us a lot here. Uh, he's, he's a really good guy. Number one, uh, he supports the community. Um, you know, he's in a really tough spot because you know, everyone wants to attack everyone today. Um, mm -hmm. and matter of fact, the first time he and I just a very, very short story. First time he and I met, um, I think I might've said some choice words to him. Because uh, I used to work in the tobacco industry, right? So I was in a very, um, I guess, a, a, I forget what the word is, but a controversial, you know, industry. 
and he was trying to do some things that were going to affect some people. And he said, look, John, just meet me down at Screwballs. I'll be down there one night and you know, we'll have a drink. And we'll talk about it. And we did. And I can, I can call him. He's called me on his way from Harrisburg. So I think that's very important. You know, if, if you get anything from me on this is that if you just remain to be the person that you are and you say genuinely that you want people to, to help you along the way, because it's really what you're there for, right? You're there to help people. Um, I think that was a great answer. Um, and, and again, I think I like the way that you said, if I'm not your candidate, I'm not your candidate, right? So good. I appreciate that. That was very, very good. So Thank you, John. I have, um, and, and I said, I mentioned in our communications, I'm just going to kind of stay on, um, basically on your, your webpage, right? So your priorities, there's a couple different things on there. So, um, we'll just talk about, and these are things you're passionate about. So you have one of the things on there that piqued my interest, you know, gun violence. I think we all are, um, we all agree that gun violence is out of control. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of conversation about, you know, NRA, um, about, you know, um, major controls in place. If you'd like to touch on that a little bit, I'd be interested to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of common sense things that we can do to address gun violence. And I, I want to be really honest at, with, with the public right now. Uh, my husband is a veteran of the Navy. He owns a gun. We, there is a gun in this household. So it's, I'm not out here trying to take anybody's guns away. I don't think my husband would be terribly happy if that were, were my stance either. Right. Um, but it's not. It, it's about common sense things that we can do that we know work to help address um, the, the pandemic of gun violence, to be quite frank. I, for as long as I can remember, I've talked about it before. I mean, one of the most formative things of my childhood was watching the students come out of Columbine, um, you know, the Columbine High School. I was, what, fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. Um, but, you know, and that's progressively grown where I can, I have very specific memories of where I was and who I was with for some mm. incredibly horrific mass shootings. So what do we do? Well, Pennsylvania doesn't have a, any kind of requirement to report a stolen or lost gun. So that really helps kind of that black market of guns in Pennsylvania grow or continue to stay stable. Sure. If, or I guess it's called a straw market. I think yep. I've heard somebody use that. There we go. Okay. Good. Not the yeah. one in the Bahamas. That one's scary too, I'll just say. <laughs> Haven't been, have not been, but um, yeah, the, you know, so if we, we write a law and we pass a law that says that you have a requirement, you are required by law to report a stolen or lost gun, or there are penalties and fines that go with that when, if you don't do it, that will help curb that market. We want to talk about um, emergency or wait, yeah, emergency risk protection orders. Yes. Emergency risk protection orders. I think that's what it's called, ERPO or red flag laws that are there. Um, you know, I know I've heard from a couple people, can, you know, some concerns with that, but at the end of the day, your right to your gun and my right to my life, like, where does that fall? If I'm afraid that you're going through something and you need help, and I just want you to get some help because I'm afraid you're going to hurt yourself or someone else. 
I'm okay with that gun being taken away. I'm, I really am so that I know that you're okay and you're getting help that you need and the people around you are okay and also hopefully getting help that they need because whatever it is, I'm sure is impacting your loved ones in, in a way that they might wanna seek some help as well to, to process that. Uh, so those are like little things that I'm really, laws that can really make a big impact. But the other thing that I don't know that we talk a lot about, and I'm not even sure is on my website, is prevention. And what does prevention look like? And for me, prevention looks like ensuring that our schools have funding to have social workers available and help mental health professionals available and being able to see signs of trauma. Because oftentimes when you see kids acting out in schools, especially in elementary school, it's a sign of that they're they're dealing with trauma somewhere or that I don't want to say it's often or always, but that is a sign. And these having social workers and behavioral health specialists there and mental health professionals there to be able to see those behaviors and say, be able to figure out, okay, maybe the student's facing some kind of trauma and allowing them to get some help and, and working with them to get help and letting the family know or talking to the family, whatever kind of help it is that that child might need right. or even the family might need and services. And that's, that gives us a platform to start helping children when they're young rather than allowing them to bottle up and not learn how to cope with their own feelings and trauma, which can then often lead to other issues like gun violence or push them, you know, out into the store. They get um, expelled from schools and end up being pushed out on streets or, um, you know, that's the, the school to prison pipeline kind of thing. And it could all, we could all break all of those cycles, reduce gun violence, as well as help people if we fund our schools better and ensure that they have the resources they need to provide that on a regular basis for students. Right. So there's, there's a couple things, right? I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. So the first thing, the first thing you were talking about, um, and, and I appreciate your answer. It's uh, your honesty. I could tell you're very genuine. You're, you're coming through from a genuine place and I do appreciate that. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, that the, um, we'll just say the protective order piece, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, again, I have, I'm, I'm, I have hundreds of people screaming in my ear, you know, in my face right now or screaming at this podcast or whatever saying, you know, ask these questions. So, um, again, these are questions not, I mean, some of them have to do with me. Um, but really I have a lot of friends, just like I'm sure you have a lot of friends and, and, um, you know, so we, we all talk about similar things. All right. So from the perspective of a protection, we'll just say a protection order, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been through, um, some things, um, and there oftentimes are people that will do things just because they want to do it to try to get over on someone or try to put the screws to you. Right. So I'm very fortunate now. Um, my, my ex-wife and I have a very good relationship where I think we're doing the best co-parenting that we do best co-parenting that we could do. Um, so, but I also know a lot of people that aren't able to do that. Right. So there are people out there that I know, that will go and say, that person's crazy. They can't have a gun, right? So that's a very slippery slope. And that is something I I do know that gets people fired up. But I think if you were to have the right conversations and to say, you know, here's kind of the criteria because I'm six foot two, I'm 290 pounds. And, you know, I can, I mean, look at me, this, this is not by 
choice. This is just, it happened. Right. And this, you know, I'm, I'm just an old guy, but I stand up and I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. And, you know, people will look at me and say, you know, this guy looks a little menacing, but I mean, right. look at me. So, I'm just a big softy, right? But you, you got to the core of it there already is red flag laws. It's not just somebody saying, Hey, I think they're crazy. There is criteria and they have to be able to demonstrate why you're concerned. And there has to be evidence there for that to happen because it is a right. And it is right. a right. If we're going to limit it, we need to have criteria to limit it. Right. I, I'm just saying that as of right now, it's yep. super easy to have that done and to have people's, mm -hmm. you know, second amendment essentially revoked, you know, Oh, this person, you know, oh, I know this guy, he has 7,500 rounds of this ammunition or he has this many yeah. guns and, right. you know, so people look at that and are like, Oh, this guy's a militia member. And it just gets into that whole, you know, Hey, you're yep. this, you're that, whatever, without yep. really but, taking the time to understand that person. But it, right. that does happen. Right. But that's why red flag laws, because we don't have them right now, but right. red flag laws have that, that criteria built in there so that it's not infringing upon somebody who is a gun enthusiast, who has antique guns or, you know, has, maybe has a big property and likes to shoot off, whatever it is. We're not trying to take away from, from that. It's about setting it up because we have found far too many times that, you know, people who are victims of domestic violence, people who are going through mental health crises. I completely and, agree with that. I think there's definitely a, I think there's definitely yeah. a need and definitely a space for it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I, sure. I, I think having that criteria that, that, that's, that is something that may, I guess maybe a lot of people don't know. Red flag laws are not just like, Hey, I think this person might be dangerous. Let's take them away. There's a specific criteria and evidence that actually has to be demonstrated for the courts to approve it. Sure. Sure. And look, we're not going to solve this right now, but if that's something no. that you're looking forward to doing, yes. um, you know, I, I think if you do it the right way, the way that you're talking about it right now, mm -hmm. uh, there could definitely be some progress made. Uh, you're obviously mm -hmm. going to have your naysayers. And again, I hear people just screaming at me, mm -hmm. how can you ever agree? It's like, I, I, I've seen a lot of things. And as long as things make sense, um, yeah. you know, that, that kind of makes sense to me. So, uh, and again, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to persuade anyone one way or the other. Right. I'm just asking questions that I know that people have, that I've had conversations with people about. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So the other piece that you mentioned was the children in schools mm -hmm. and the social workers and things like that. And I guess we'll just call that avoidance, mm -hmm. right? Avoidance it's for, prevention. you know, yeah, prevention. Mm -hmm. So you get into, um, we get into that aspect of things. And so I coach baseball. I have two children while well, they're young women now, but I was, I was very heavily involved in a school district and I still coach mm -hmm. baseball. I umpire baseball all in upper Marion or King of Prussia. And, mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of stuff, right. Mm -hmm. And when It, it's a very hard subject for me to talk about because I see so much stuff and I'm sure, you know, every, every one of us do. Um, but at the end of the day, at what point, I, I don't even know what question to ask. So when we talk about prevention and we talk about all these things about behavior in mm -hmm. school and all that, mm -hmm. a lot of behavior, I, and I'll just, this is one thing I'll say, I believe, I believe behavior is learned. Mm -hmm in a lot of cases. Right. So I can say that for a lot of the kids that I've, uh, 
I've mentored or I've coached or mm -hmm. I just know, and even friends of mine, I have some of my best friends in the entire world. Um, they were raised in environments where um, we talk about it now in our forties and you look back and you're like, I had no idea you were going through that. So the prevention mm -hmm. piece I think is very important. So how, how does that, what does that look like? So having a social worker or behavioral health specialist available in the schools when children are acting out for whatever reason, um, whether it's, you know, learned behavior or whether it's, you know, things that you wouldn't know unless somebody talks to you about it um, and, and the unfortunate things, they're trained to be able to analyze that, to be able to talk to the children in a way to find out what's going on. Uh, their training is very specialized for that. Um, instead of a teacher suspending students and, and, and eventually getting to the expulsion, it's sending that student to go talk to somebody. It's, it's having these children have someone to lean on and feel like they have somebody to hear them. Um, like I said, especially at younger ages, uh, children act out where they're most comfortable. And um, if it's at school, and the acting out really comes out at school, then that might be, it's not always indicative, but it might be an indication of other things happening at home that a teacher might be, that a teacher isn't equipped to handle because they're busy teaching the rest of the class and it's easier, you know, it doesn't feel good. It does not feel good for teachers to do this. And that's not what I'm insinuating, but it, you know, they have to suspend or expel or send them to the principal's office, all of those different things that, happened three, four times, and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got to find a new school, and can mom and dad find them a new school? Having that, that, that uh, behavioral specialist in, in the schools and available to those students to be able to help dive in to figure out what's really going on. Is there trauma that needs to be assessed? Is there a, another way to work with this student? Are there um, undiagnosed learning differences that are happening that maybe a child just isn't, um, you know, able to see the, the board and so they get distracted easily or they're not able to read because of dyslexia and they haven't learned how to, how to read because of that yet um, and, right. and work with that, that the learning difference. So having a, a behavioral specialist in, in there, like I said, especially at the young ages where it's, it really all starts is about figuring out why they're acting out and that's they're trained in that I, I have zero expertise other than uh, I, I worked at the Office of Child Development and Early Learning uh, on suspension expulsion and inclusion programs and learned that um, this is a thing that it's a very specialized career and, and employment um, and education that people have and I learned a lot about these people and what they can provide in this way, I, I'm just not one of them. So I can't, I, right. I don't speak about it. No, I understand. No, I under they do. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I, I think it's just, cause I think that's a much bigger picture item, right? So mm -hmm. that's, I think that's something that could start at the local level and then end up ending, you know, at the yep. state level or national level. So um, yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that need help and I think, you know, especially children now, um, and, and I mean, everyone for that matter, you know, every, I think if we were just nicer to people, things would be different. And it really comes down to, you mentioned very early on, it comes down to accountability, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about holding people accountable. Uh, and that includes the parents, right? Yep. So, you know, I, I'm of the school of thought, my kids have never beaten me in anything ever. <laughs> and the day that they do, it's going to be because they actually 
beat me. Not because I'm like, oh, you won. No, get me on the golf course. Get me on it anywhere. I'm going to try to beat you as bad as I can, but we'll be friends at the end. So, you know, there's, there's so many different things that, um, they kind of lead into that. Mm -hmm. And I, I have my own opinions. I'll just keep them to myself, um, (laughs) about, especially about parenting today. But, um, so that's that. So, um, very good. That was great. So, um, you mentioned that you were, um, the director of policy at Planned Parenthood, Mm -hmm. another super sticky conversation. Um, but you know, it is what it is. You have to have Mm -hmm. the conversations in order to really understand. So look, clearly I, you know, I'm really pretty, but I am a guy, I am a man. So I can't, I've always been raised in a, a pro choice, right? So I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to, and I have two daughters, right? So no one should really tell them what they should do with their body. Mm-hmm. There are caveats to that though, um, in my opinion. And so one of the big things that are going on right now are like late term abortions, right? So I know that's, and look, if you don't want to talk about it, I'm completely no, okay with that. We'll talk. Um, I, 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 I laugh because I, it's a, as, as, as a, a person who can carry, carry a, a, a fetus to term, when we talk about late-term abortions, um, I, I think the piece that gets missed there is that I'm going to, now I'm just going to pull a statistic out of, out of thin air here, but 99% of the time, what you're really talking about, and probably more than that, is a very wanted pregnancy and something has gone horribly wrong. Sure. Yep. What, Completely agree. And what, what we're talking about is allowing a family to decide the best way to handle it. Some families may choose to carry to term and have a stillborn. Some may, may choose to end it earlier and begin the grieving process in a different way. And I think when we talk about choice, that's what we're we're talking about, the ability to decide what's going to happen in this very difficult. And I cannot even begin to imagine the depths of pain that somebody must be feeling going through that. So like, I don't want to tell them what's the best way to grieve, what's the best way to handle it, especially when we're talking medically then too, because there are medical implications that go along with carrying a stillborn or um, something else, you know, whatever else might be happening, carrying it to term. There are a lot of important health implications that happen for the person carrying the fetus that go along with that and whether their life is going to be okay. So for me, it's when I talk about choice, it's a choice that that family group, that family unit has to make and has to make in consult with a doctor who can talk to them very openly and freely about all of the implications of that. Right. right. And I think from, I'll just say from the general public point of view, at least mm-hmm. the people, a lot of people that I've heard talk about it and, you know, it's not easy to really ever talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm a little uncomfortable talking about it, but it's one of them things that, you, you know, you have to get uncomfortable to really understand. So yeah, I think from the perspective of, you know, you talk about the 99 point percent, right? So whatever that statistic is, it is, mm-hmm. it, it's just, it is. So it comes down to, you know, say someone has multiple abortions a year or, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't know all the rules or all the laws and everything mm-hmm. like that. But again, I have two daughters and I'm very lucky that I've been able to have children. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it just comes down to the, you know, the horror stories are, again, it gets to the extreme left and extreme right. Mm-hmm. And when you start to talk about and have these conversations uh, in a, we'll just say in a moderate way, it, you're, you're looked at like you're crazy. So there's been a lot of conversations of, you know, oh, well, late term abortion is like, you know, nine months and there's nothing wrong with the child and this and that and whatever. So doesn't I don't, happen. Well, that, I, that, that, that's illegal. It doesn't happen. It, that's just find me a person who carried a fetus for nine months and then goes, oops, never mind. Find me somebody who went through morning sickness and all of those things and had their entire body completely changed and then goes, oops, never mind at nine months. Like it, that's just not, well, that, that's not feasible. I, I don't know anyone who had an abortion, but I know several people that have done that and given their children up for adoption, which is, which is the, <laughs> the best alternative. My nephew's adopted and he's one of the greatest people I've ever met my entire life. And, uh, and I, he made I think, me an I think adoption's right. different in this scenario. I don't think that, that right. that's saying, oops, never mind. I think that's that, as you said, is an amazing other choice. It's a difficult choice. Right, um, but, I have, I, I but the a scenario for the person. Yeah, right. But yeah. the scenario could be the same, right? So if someone gets a term and they're like, oh, I don't want this anymore. If they don't realize that they're, they have an option, then they go find, you know, some way. I, and again, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, it, it, again, I'm a guy, so I don't, I don't yeah. understand that. It, 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 that, that doesn't happen. It is a horror story that is perpetuated by the fervent, fervent quote unquote pro-life people. That is not what happens. Um, it's not legal. Nobody performs those things. Um, and I, like I said, I really don't think that there's a scenario that you could give me where that happens. Um, you know, there is, unless somebody's really suffering in some way mentally in, in something. I mean, I know that there are, you know, I'm sure there are stories. instances. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, from, from my perspective, that's what I hear. Right. So again, yep. it's, it's that squeaky wheel getting the oil. And I, I'm not downplaying any of this at all. I yeah. think children and being able to have a family is and one of the most amazing things. It's the best things, best thing I've ever did yeah. in my entire life is being a dad. Um, and so, okay. I, again, I don't know enough about that, but I appreciate yeah. the explanation. And hopefully this piques some people's interest to be able to do some research on their own if they really do believe that things are happening um, a certain way. And look, there's illegal stuff that happens all the time. So are there cases of it? 100% there is. I mean, if you can think it up, it's happening, um, unfortunately. So, all right, well, let's uh, maybe try to move on to the something (laughs) something a little less because it is an emotional thing. But again, I don't don't want to shy away from the hard conversations or at least – the heart, the information it is not easy to talk about because I no. think that's another thing about people learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I appreciate you willing to talk about abortion on the podcast because you said you don't know anybody. You don't know anybody that you know of. I know more people than for various reasons at various points in their lives that have. And oh, I, I do know. I know people. I do. I'm just saying, okay. you know, I don't know anyone at, at that late term. Is what oh, I'm saying. oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah because like I said, I, I don't think we'll, you know, we'll, di- we'll agree to disagree on, you know, whether it's actually happening, but, right. um, you know, like I said, if you do find somebody, I, I'm willing to put whatever money on, on, on it that I can, that they went through something right. really horrific to, to have to make that kind of a decision, like medically horrific, that we that's would, gut-wrenching. 
we would both hope that that would be the case, right? So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm completely on board yeah. with that as well. And again, not very easy to talk about. No, but no, but I appreciate that you're willing to have the conversation. Yeah. So I apologize. I ate too much salty food today. I'm <laughs> not a problem. I'm at my mom's house. So we're actually switching houses and she, you know, it's your mom always has to feed you, right? Absolutely. So, um, let's get into one of the things that was interesting to me on your website. Mm -hmm. And again, mm -hmm. everyone, if you're interested to check her website out, it's Amanda four PA.org. That's a M a N D a F O R P A.org. Um, you can go on there. You can see what her priorities are. Read up a little bit more about Amanda, um, about the 17th, uh, district and also some of the endorsements that she's gotten. And if you feel so inclined, you can go ahead and donate. Um, so equal respect. Mm -hmm. I, again, I'm a guy, so I don't know what it's like to be a woman. Right. Um, but you, you mentioned on here, uh, basic issue of equal respect should not depend on numbers. Um, rather we must end once and for all the crisis of discrimination, demissiveness, and sexual harassment that emanates from a cultural mindset that has pervaded our society and our state cop capital unabated until now. So it mm -hmm. says that you stand with men and women who've proclaimed such behavior has to stop now and without exception. So very quickly, I was a, when I worked in the tobacco industry and, and even still now, I, I don't think it's something that will ever leave me. Um, I was a champion for the women's enterprise business council. And I sat on, um, I don't, it wasn't the board, but I was on the council in Philadelphia. So mm -hmm. I got to see a lot of things and I'm in procurement. So I, I'm big on uh, using both women and minority owned businesses when I can, as long as the, the business in which I'm working for mm -hmm. is open to that. So I'm curious to see or to understand what this means. And we could just keep it at a high level mm -hmm. because I know that there's all kind of craziness that goes on. And again, I'll just mention the incumbent that you beat is one of those people. I said yes. it on my podcast. You can or you don't have to agree with me, but that made me very happy to know that he is no longer involved. Uh, so as, the stage yeah. is yours. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head kind of talking a little bit about, about the incumbent um, that were, you know, our current state senator. But he's not the only one. I, there are men in Harrisburg, and, and this is a story you can, you can Google it. Cameron Bartolotta is a Republican senator. I don't actually know which part of the state she's from. It's central slash west. Um, but she is a Republican senator, and one of the House districts that overlaps her Senate district is Bud Cook's. Bud Cook is an older white guy who refers to her as skirt in the Capitol building, as opposed to her name, Senator, mm -hmm. any kind of formal. And so she actually endorsed, you know, a candidate. And then I actually haven't seen and didn't bother, have, haven't looked into who won in that seat, but she endorsed a Republican challenge, you know, a challenger to him because, you know, she's sure. demanding respect. So I think when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about it from the platform of, you know, 
it's, it's not just about me standing up to the men in my party and it's not just about standing up to the, or, or even women um, in my part and, and the Democratic Party, but but everywhere. I don't have to agree with your political views to know that being called skirt is incredibly inappropriate. To be right. called young lady instead of representative, um, as another uh, state representative, Jen O'Mara, has talked about often, you know, she gets called young lady instead of representative O'Mara, as, you know, many of the other people around her, her do. Typically, you know, men get called by representative so-and-so and women get called young lady. Um, and just just a matter of respect and decorum in the way that we're talking to women as well, um, as well as, you know, minorities and everybody else. But that's the idea is like, it's just a matter of how we respect people. You would actually be very surprised to know the amount of hate emails that I get from within my own party that are still mad that I won the primary. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm being dead honest with you. I would not 100% be surprised. And I will tell you why in a little bit. <laughs> so that's, that's where I'm at when I'm talking about uh, equality and respect and wanting to see more of that across the board. It's about holding everyone accountable that you need to be respectful in the way that you address people and talk to them. Name calling doesn't get us anywhere. Um, misogyny is not helpful. And, you know, unfortunately it is a, you know, misogyny is kind of like this internalized thing that you can see other women are, you know, perpetuating it because that's the standard that we've lived by for so long. Mm -hmm. So I want to be a part, we've seen kind of the shift and change by people speaking out about these behaviors and saying that we're not going to stand up for them. And I'm just one more voice to add to that choir to stand up and say, whether it's against me, whether it's against my Democratic colleague, my Republican colleague, the lobbyist, or just the person visiting the, the state capitol, we need to change that culture in the state capitol building. And part of that happens by electing more women and more people who acknowledge that this is a problem and that we're going to stand up against it. So let me, let me just play devil's advocate for a sure. second, right? Do you think we're just getting soft? Now, look, I'm and not not in the way calling someone a skirt. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> so I, I, I work in a very professional environment. I hold myself mm -hmm. to a very, very high standard. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes a little too high. I get I get told to, you know, hey, just loosen up a little bit, but I'm just going to do what I want anyway, right? So by saying young lady or and I guess internally at within politics, that would be like, you know, if like I, I just when I see Tim Briggs, I'm just say, hey, Tim, what's going on? Like, should I mean, should the public be calling people that no. or, is, or are you just kind of saying more or less like in that professional environment? Within the professional environment uh, is, is really what I'm talking about. On the floor of the House, on the floor of the Senate, it should be senator and representative, not young lady. Um, nobody says young man. Um, you know, you know, I, I you definitely have a relationship. Hear that. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> ever i get called sir and when people call me mr kelly i'm like mm, that was my dad that's not me. <laughs> like call me coach call me john call me like anything call hey yo um and, and i guess that's why i ask if we think that i think there's a time and a place for everything right. and, and again i'm not downplaying any of that i think that if someone you know we're we're in a society now where it's mm -hmm. super easy to just get yourself in trouble by saying something that you, you know, you think 
we have to be more accountable, right? Mm-hmm. But my question is, do you think that with that kind of conversation, um, and look, I coach baseball, I coach 14 to 16 year old boys and, and sometimes yeah. up to 18, the things that come out of their mouth and, you know, are, are we, do you think that we're getting soft in certain aspects? Like not being able to joke around because look, you're going to talk, you're from Boyertown, right? Yep. Okay. So. I know a lot of people from Boyertown and you can dish it and you can take it. Right. So from your perspective with your inner circle of friends, obviously you can't talk that way around other people for the most part, but I, I, I worry, and this is a big worry of mine because I say things to my kids and they're like, and they laugh and they'll say something to me. I'm like, well, oh, you can't say that anymore. And, and look, I get caught doing that all the time. You know, I grew up on NWA and two live crew, you know, now you have like Nicki Minaj and Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, but I worry that we're getting soft. And I hear that a lot. I hear it from a lot of people saying, you know, we're soft, you know, we give everyone a trophy. We do, you know, everyone it's like, Oh, you don't want to eat that. Okay. Go ahead and go eat what you want. It's like, you know, that, so that's I think my you're concern. Talking about, I think you're talking about two really different things here. I don't think we're getting soft by asking for respect. And when I say asking for respect, I mean what I a little bit of what I was talking about with like senator or being called skirt or being called representative. That's just inappropriate. I, I do agree with that. I think that there's a certain amount of respect that goes to you say something that maybe is inappropriate and somebody says, hey, that was inappropriate. It offended me. You say, okay, thank you. I, I, I'm sorry to do that. And you know, you, you know, you know and learn somebody else's boundaries. With your friends who have a certain boundary, you know, you know, you can make whatever jokes you might want to make and know that 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 is a joke. It hasn't offended anybody there. I think that, you know, there's two different conversations. There's conversation you have with your friends at the bar and there's the conversation you have elsewhere. Talking about, you know, whether your kid, oh, you don't want to eat that, you know, so go ahead, eat something else. Um, You know, that's definitely different, different parenting styles. Well, I'm just saying that that's the kind of thing that leads into these kind of, you know, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not in any way. I have two daughters. I would, if, trust me, if anybody were disrespects them, there's going to be, you know, that six foot two big soft guy is going to turn hard very, very quickly. Yep. So I just, I worry about that from, because everything now is, you know, everyone has to be called, you know, be referred to as, I don't even know what the word, is it an acronym or is it, I, I can't remember what it is. Like, People of color, but like, I'm not no, sure where you're. No, it's, it's like, you know, he, he, him, she, her. Okay. That, the pronouns. Right. Pronouns. Um, okay. Yeah. So I did yeah, want to so, go to college for English to be a teacher, but clearly that didn't work out either. <laughs> no worries. No, I, again, I think that, again, it goes back to um, a respect and it's not, it's respecting that I identify as a woman and you identify as a man. And there are people in this world who either um, were born with uh, male, um, with male uh, genitalia and sex organs and do not identify. That's not who they are. And they, right. you know, they transition. There are also people who don't identify with either gender and they choose to use the they, them uh, pronouns. So right. I, again, it just kind of goes back to, for me, that's a matter of respect versus being soft on things so you're Um, just you're you're really trying to allude to so you're specifically talking about in harrisburg we'll say right oh i mean it could it i mean it could be anything but 
place to start, but right, okay, yeah, society yeah. as society at large, and I think we're seeing it with the transition of the Me Too movement and and the things that have been happening there, um, is just another way that there is a society at large in in the political game. I, I've talked about it before. I, it's, it's a surprising amount of sexism and misogyny that I don't. I, I guess I was naive to. Um, I never. Re- I, I never really thought of myself as somebody that had experienced many of those things. I, right. You know, and maybe I have, and I just, you know, didn't recognize it in the past. But getting involved in politics, as I've mentioned, there are still a lot of people that it, surprisingly, you know, and women that, that, that are still upset that I had the audacity to run in a campaign and win and, and do these things. Shame um, on you for doing something you believe in and want to make a change. Yeah, you know, and just the fact that like that grudge is held there and there's a disrespect that kind of goes with that, that goes into like the name calling that stems from that because it does, I get called names and you know, that's okay. I've got thick skin. I know what I was getting into. That's fine. Like, you know, it's, it is right. what it is, but, um, but, but, but this well, if you're not, change, look, if you're not pissing someone off, you're not doing your job. That's really what it comes down to. Right. So you might not yeah. be able to say that, but I said it. Right. And they're just, and, and again, for what it's worth, and I could bleep this out if you want, but they're just shitty people in this world. And those people want to hold people back and they want to say, Hey, you know what? You shouldn't be this. Look, if you want to identify as a toaster, okay. What do you want me to call you? Are you, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Right. So there are certain things that would like, I'm a dad of two daughters. I don't want someone who's a man that looks like me saying I identify as something and I'm going to use this restroom or, you know, be in this locker room with these girls. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with that. But again, I'm raising these daughters, my daughters to say, anyone touches you, you bite, kick, scream, punch, twist, whatever you have to do. And hopefully you're aware enough of what's going on. But to your point, I -hmm. said it, there are shitty people out there and they're going to do anything they can do to hold you down. And, you know, long story short, if you ever get bored, I'm sure you're not, you have a lot going on. But a lot of the podcasts that I do are about my own self-reflection of being a shitty person. I mean, it just, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I talk to my mom and my sister and I'm like, I don't even know why you even talk to me anymore. But I, I fully recognized that, um, and Tim Briggs is one of those guys. I asked him to come on here and he's looking to come on. He's, he has a lot of stuff going on, but he told That's me, fair. he said, John, you know, I don't want to come on. He said, you know, you've been pretty partisan. I'm like, yeah, but you know, this is my platform. I'm giving it to you. I'm not coming on to give anyone my, um, my political agenda because to, mm-hmm. quite frankly, it's none of their business. I'm going to vote for the people who I think are going to be put in yeah. that I want to be in office. And if I have a problem with them, I'll go talk to them, you know? But um, yeah, I, I, I think I got a little off task, but I definitely got off task, but, but no, but I want to go back to something you just said, though. You admitted your past and you said that you've learned and grown. And sure. I think that is so huge and that people don't admit that enough, um, that we learn and grow from our past, that, you know, 19-year-old me made really inappropriate jokes that sure. 20, that 33-year-old me is not making. Mm-hmm. So did 23-year-old me. 27-year-old me was starting to get it and learn Look, about Look, 45-year-old you is going to make some really questionable <laughs> conversations right You're, it's yeah. it's going to happen yes but that's the thing is being able to admit to, to to what you've done wrong and how you've learned and grown from it and I think that that's kind of the thing that that 
we are not doing enough as a society. We're quick to point out somebody else's past where they've screwed up, but like you've forgotten, there's still three fingers pointing back at you. 100%. You got your own past where you weren't perfect and you didn't make the best decisions or right. you made the best decisions with the information you had available. And maybe it wasn't all the information you needed to make a good decision. Like, right. so like, I commend you that you're willing to talk about it because not everybody is. And I'm willing to sit here and tell you, I was not perfect. I can tell you that learning about uh, race and equity and equality that I didn't have, I thought, you know, I thought I understood that and that I wasn't racist and everything else growing up. And then as I got older and started experiencing um, being in more diverse communities than Boyertown, because if you know Boyertown, it's not yes. the most diverse place to sure. be. Yeah. Um, but as I, as I started, I started to go, oh, <clears throat> Oh, maybe some of those things I did and said weren't so funny. Right. Oh, oh, that that was bad. And I'm lucky enough that I've had people in my life where I've been able to sit down and talk to them and be, be like, so why was this bad? Like, I'm, you, you tell me it's bad. Let's talk about why and right. have that conversation and grow from it. So, you know, anybody that's listening, just remember as you're pointing out somebody else's bad behavior in their past, remember you've got your own and give them an opportunity to learn and grow from it. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that I have, uh, I have several friends that, you know, I mean, obviously all the social injustice and, and all the racial <laughs> tension that's going on and all that. And look, I've had people saying, you know, what do you think? I'm like, I, I've never been a black guy. I've never been black. I've always been a white guy, you know, my entire <laughs> life. Um, you know, when I go down the street, when I drive down the street, my headlights out and I get pulled over, do I, am I overly concerned? Nope, not at all. Um, if I were, you know, a black guy driving down the street, what I, I probably have some reservations a hundred percent. Um, I, I do think that there's some actions that we can, that we can all take to, uh, mitigate any chance it will highly reduce the chance of some kind of confrontation. And that's with anything. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm a, I'm an umpire for baseball. I mean, it can get really ugly on the field. Um, even with, you know, 10, 11, 12 year olds. And it's like, okay, you have to take it with a grain of salt, but, and you know, a, a police officer for sure. Like I have a lot of friends that are police officers, FBI mm -hmm. agents, you know, secret service, all that. And uh, a lot of military friends. Uh, my dad was in the military. I was not man enough to be in the military. Uh, I will openly admit that I probably could have did coast guard, but that's even a stretch for me. Um, but you know, when it really comes down to it, I've, you know, people are like, you don't understand. I'm like, you're a hundred percent right. I don't understand. And it's like, I understand what it's like to not have, um, uh, not have something go my way because of mm -hmm. whatever. Right. So I'm a guy, I'm a dad. I have two daughters. I went through a divorce and, you know, I could look back and, and, and in several instances, when I tried to see my kids more, uh, I was told no, because they have to stay with their mother. And, uh, that was very hard for me to swallow. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not the same thing. Um, but I do understand what it's like to, to feel really screwed over because you are, you know, a man or, um, a dad and whatever the case mm -hmm. is. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not one of them people who are like, I'm not racist. I black, like, no, it's, I, I'm just, I try to be a good person, be a good person, be a mm -hmm. good human being. And the rest will fall into place for you in mo in most occasions that mm -hmm. that's at least what I believe. So, um, yeah, so I, again, it comes down to there's shitty people in this world that are going to try to take your happiness away from you, whether it's, you know, someone you date or someone who is a different color than you or, 
you know, someone who uh, is more, um, you know, maybe someone who's wealthy, maybe someone who's, it doesn't matter what it is. Shittiness comes in all shapes, colors, sizes, and socioeconomic uh, backgrounds. So, um, and if you want to let them steal your thunder, shame on you. Go read a book called The Power of Now. It'll change your life. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we're, we're about an hour into this. Uh, are mm-hmm. you still good to keep going or do you have, do you I, have a hard stop? I have something at seven thirty that I have to go do. So okay. that's got fine. a couple more minutes. All right. So we'll, we'll get into what I was trying to explain. I told you, I'd tell you a quick story. So yes, you and I have very similar thought processes, right? <laughs> so I thought about running for, uh, when I live, when I, I kind of still live in Upper Marion, but Tim Briggs, I consider him a friend, not like a close friend, but a friend. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we talk family stuff and, and Tom Kohler as well. So there's just been a lot of stuff going on in um, the legislative, you know, in, in Tim's legislative uh, branch or district, whatever it is, I, mm-hmm. I can't even remember. So I got fed up and I started, you know, thinking I, I'm going to run. So I reached out to the, um, to the Republican Party. And I said, look, I'm, I want to run. And they're like, okay, no problem. I said, but I have a couple conditions. And I said, my conditions are, you're not allowed to go on Facebook and shit talk people. You're not going to be going on there because if I'm going to be represented, if I'm going to represent your party, I don't want people to associate me with this negativity or this, you know, tit for tat kind of nonsense. And um, that was met with some reservation. And I said, you know, I said, Tim, I, I respect him for what he's done. He's done a very good job. He's helped West Conshohocken out when mm-hmm. it was not West Conshohocken what it is now, right? So, you know, there's trash on the road. You, you go to Tim and it's taken care of. Um, but I was going to run against him. And I'm still thinking about running maybe, you know, the next, next election cycle. But um, it all comes down to trying to do the right thing for my community. And you know, I was told, oh, they're going to come after you. Uh, they're going to, you know, possibly go after your family. I'm like, okay, that, that's fine. But they're going to get the John that I am. And they said, well, what's that? I said, if they go after my family, I'm basically going to tell them to F off. And if they don't like it, don't bring my family into your mouth, right? So that was met with some reservations. But I, look, I'm a real person. You know, mm-hmm. I have I have a career that I've worked very hard in. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've you know, I, I've done a lot of things that have got me to this point right now. So as far as all that other stuff goes, I, I admire what you're doing. I admire the steps that you're taking. Um, again, I, this isn't about me or my, my political beliefs. Um, I will say this. I did reach out to the person you're running against crickets. I heard nothing. Mm-hmm. And after several attempts, um, I reached out to uh, some other uh, local politicians and crickets. Uh, and then the person who is running for the position that I was going to run for, um, you know, I call a spade a spade. It is what it is. Uh, he was told by his party to not come onto my podcast, uh, because mm. they, because apparently I'm partisan or whatever the case is. I, I, from your perspective was, did I make you feel a certain way tonight? I felt like I was having a conversation with my dad, who I said is a you know he's he's a pretty moderate Republican that's, kind of a that's person. That's an old like guy joke. A- I'm only forty one. I don't look that old. 
but no, I am. Um, yeah. So that, so that's kind of what my challenge yeah. is, right? I'm not, I'm not looking to spread my own beliefs. I tell mm-hmm. people all the time and even my kids like go to multiple news sources, yeah. read, listen, whatever. You can take bits and pieces out. There's a little bit of truth in everything. And sometimes there's a lot of truth in something. You just have to come up and make your own decisions. And um, hopefully they're the right ones. But I think it comes down to being a good human being. Um, Amanda, I appreciate your time more than, more than you know. Um, I hope people get um, some value out of this. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of it. I don't, I don't want to take up your time. If, if you had a hard stop at 730, I'll, I'll get you off of here sooner. Well, thank you very much, John. I've enjoyed being on this podcast with you. Um, It's one of the more fun things I get to do running Mm -hmm. for office. Um, I I really do enjoy just talking to people and hearing their perspectives and having a dialogue. Uh, So this was a lot of fun and I don't get to do that as much because I can't knock doors right now. So this was a fun way to do it and meet somebody new. So I I really appreciate you giving me a platform to just talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, with, again, I'm, I'm from this area. I grew up here. I have a lot of friends and um, I'll put this out there and, you know, we're going to have those people that are like, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to just vote my party line and you have to, you know, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't vote blue, it's on you. It's like, come on, how about you just do the right thing for your community and, and what's right for you. And uh, I got that feeling from you tonight. Um, so you know, other than that, I appreciate your time. And, um, look, after all this is said and done, no matter which way it turns out, because I mean, I can't imagine the anxiety you have for the election piece. Um, but I do wish you the best of luck and no matter how it turns out, um, let's do this again. Let's do this again after you either get settled in or you recover from the hangover you're going to have from, you know, all the campaigning and all that. Um, but I'd really appreciate that for sure. Absolutely, John. That would be great. Let be able to talk to you a little bit more, hopefully, from the a legislator's perspective and talk a little bit more in depth on um, those kinds of things. I would love well, look, that. I'll come out to Harrisburg and we'll do this in person when everything loosens up. That sounds that sounds like fun. I look forward to awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, so, hey, everyone. Again, this is John at the Bumbling Yeti. My guest is uh, Amanda Capaletti, two P's, two L's, and two T's. And uh, if you want to look more up on her. Um, she is uh, at amanda4pa.org. And uh, where else can they find you on social media? We have um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at amanda4pa. Nice and easy. Okay. okay, very good. Well, Amanda, again, I appreciate your time. And um, I look forward to seeing these election results. This, this should come out. Uh, today's October 1st. Uh, should come out by the middle of next week. So we'll try to get it out. And again, I'll get it to as many people as I can, uh, both, both, you know, through the podcast and then also through my own personal social media, because I think it's, it's important for people to be informed. Um, and whether they agree or not, that's up to them and they can make that choice when on uh, November 3rd, right? November 3rd, November 3rd. Okay. okay very good. Uh, again, everyone, this is John episode 25 of the Bumbling Yeti. Uh, again, Amanda, thank you so much. And, uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, John. You too. All right. Thank you so much. Bye.